People's resistance against British Before 1857, most of us think of the 1857 revolt as the first major show of resentment against the British who were represented by the rule of the East India Company. However, there were many incidents before the 1857 revolt that indicated all was not well and that there was a building resentment against the alien rule. This resentment manifested itself in several bouts of resistance by different groups of people in different regions of India. People's resistance, meaning, in the context of people's resistance against British rule, the word people encompasses several sections of the Indian society who were affected by the alien rule. The peasants, artisans, tribal, ruling classes, active or disposed, military personnel, those under the company as well as the demobilized soldiers of ex-rulers, religious leaders, Hindu and Muslim, etc., fought for the protection of their interests, at times separately and at times together. The agitation in Benares in 1810 against a house tax imposed by the colonial government, the Surat riots in 1814 against the salt duty, the rising in Bareilly in 1816 against police tax and municipal taxes are some examples of urban movements in which people from lower strata like artisans, petty shopkeepers and the urban poor fought together with the prosperous urban gentry. The interests of these resistances differed in the sense that each section had different grievances but converged on a common objective to end the British rule. According to Bipan Chandra, people's resistance took three broad forms, civil rebellions, tribal uprisings and peasant movements. We have also considered military revolts as a form of people's resistance, which involved Indians employed in the company's forces to make the study of people's resistance more comprehensive. Genesis of People's Resistance In pre-colonial India, People's protests against the rulers and their officials were not uncommon, high land revenue demand by the state, corrupt practices and hard attitude of the officials being some of the instigating factors. However, the establishment of colonial rule and its policies had a much more annihilative effect on the Indians as a whole. There was no one to hear their grievances or pay attention to their problems. The company was merely interested in extracting revenue. The colonial law and judiciary safeguarded the interest of the government and its collaborators, the landlords, the merchants and moneylenders. Thus the people left with no options, chose to take up arms and defend themselves. The conditions of the tribal people were not different from those of the people living in the mainland but the encroachment by outsiders into their independent tribal polity made them more aggrieved and violent. Causative Factors for People's Uprisings The major factors responsible for the people's resentment and uprisings against the company rule are as follows. 1. Colonial Land Revenue Settlements heavy burden of new taxes, eviction of peasants from their lands, and encroachments on tribal lands. 2. Exploitation in rural society coupled with the growth of intermediary revenue collectors, tenants and moneylenders. 3. Expansion of revenue administration over tribal lands leading to the loss of tribal people's hold over agricultural and forest land. 4. Promotion of British manufactured goods, heavy duties on Indian industries, especially export duties, leading to devastation of Indian handloom and handicraft industries. 5. Destruction of indigenous industry leading to migration of workers from industry to agriculture, increasing the pressure on land and agriculture. Civil uprisings. The word civil encompasses everything which is not related to defense military, but here we have included those uprisings which were generally led by deposed native rulers or their descendants, former zamindars, landlords, 
polygers in South India, holders of territory or palayam, consisting of a few villages granted to them by the rulers, mainly the Naikas, in return for military service and tribute, ex-retainers and officials of the conquered kingdoms, or sometimes by religious leaders. The mass support generally came from rack-rented peasants, unemployed artisans and demobilized soldiers, although at the center of these uprisings were erstwhile power-wielding classes. Major Causes of Civil Uprisings 1. Under the company rule, there were rapid changes in the economy, administration and land revenue system that went against the people. 2. Several zamindars and polygars, who had lost control over their land and its revenues due to the colonial rule, had personal scores to settle with the new rulers. 3. The ego of traditional zamindars and polygars was hurt due to being sidelined in rank by government officials and a new class of merchants and moneylenders. 4. The ruin of Indian handicraft industries due to colonial policies impoverished millions of artisans whose misery was further compounded by the disappearance of their traditional patrons and buyers, princes, chieftains, and zamindars. 5. The priestly classes instigated hatred and rebellion against alien rule because the religious preachers, priests, pundits, malvis, etc., had been dependent on the traditional landed and bureaucratic elite. The fall of zamindars and feudal lords directly affected the priestly class. 6. The foreign character of the British rulers, who always remained alien to this land, and their contemptuous treatment of the native people hurt the pride of the latter. General Characteristics of Civil Uprisings These uprisings in most cases represented common conditions, though separated in time and place. The semi-feudal leaders of civil uprisings were backward-looking and traditional in outlook. Their basic objective was to restore earlier forms of rule and social relations. These uprisings were the result of local causes and grievances and were also localized in their consequences. Important Civil Uprisings Sanyasi Revolt, 1763-1800 The disastrous famine of 1770 and the harsh economic order of the British compelled a group of sannyasis in eastern India to fight the British yoke. Originally peasants, even some evicted from land, these sannyasis were joined by a large number of dispossessed small zamindars, disbanded soldiers and rural poor. They raided company factories and the treasuries and fought the company's forces. It was only after a prolonged action that Warren Hastings could subdue the sannyasis. Equal participation of Hindus and Muslims characterized the uprisings, sometimes referred to as the Fakir Rebellion. Majnum Shah or Majnu Shah, Chiragali, Musa Shah, Bhavani Pathak and Debi Chaudhrani were important leaders. Debi Chaudhrani's participation recognizes the women's role in early resistances against the British. Anandamath, a semi-historical novel by Bankim Chandra Chattopadhyay, is based on the Sanyasi revolt. Bankim Chandra also wrote a novel, Devi Chaudhrani, as he saw the importance of women taking up the struggle against an alien rule that posed a threat to traditional Indian values. Revolt in Midnapur and Dhalghum, 1766-1974 The English took hold of Midnapur in 1760, and at that time there were about 3,000 zamindars and talukdars having cordial relations with their riots. But this harmonious scenario changed after the introduction of a new land revenue system by the English in 1772. According to the British governor Vansittart, the zamindars of Midnapur sided with the riots in case of conflict between the riots and the English revenue-collecting officials. The zamindars of Dhalghum, Mandhum, Raipur, Panchet, Jatibuni, Karnagar, and Bagri, living in the vast tract of jungle mahals of West and Northwest Midnapur, were ultimately dispossessed of their zamindaris by 1800s. 
The important leaders of the uprisings were Damodar Singh and Jagannath Dhan. Revolt of Momerias 1769-1999 The revolt of the Momerias in 1769 was a potent challenge to the authority of Ahom kings of Assam. The Momerias were low-caste peasants who followed the teachings of Aniruddha Deva 1553-1624 and their rise was similar to that of other low-caste groups in North India. Their revolts weakened the Ahoms and opened the doors for others to attack the region. For instance, in 1792, the king of Darran, Krishnanarayan, assisted by his band of Burkandises, the demobilized soldiers of the Muslim armies and Zaminders, revolted. To crush these revolts, the Ahom ruler had to request for British help. The Mumerias made Bhatiapur their headquarters. Rangapur, now in Bangladesh, and Jorhat were the most affected regions. Although the Ahom kingdom survived the rebellion, the weakened kingdom fell to a Burmese invasion and finally came under British rule. Civil uprisings in Gorakhpur, Basti and Bahraich, 1781. Warren Hastings, in order to meet the war expenses against the Marathas and Mysore, made a plan to earn money by involving English officers as Isradars, revenue farmers, in Avar. He involved Major Alexander Hannai, who was well acquainted with the region, as an Isradar in 1778. Hannai secured the Izara of Gorakhpur and Baharaj to the amount of 22 lakh rupees for one year. In fact, it was a secret experiment by the company to see for itself just how much surplus money was accessible in practice. However, Hannai's oppression and excessive demand of revenue made the region, which had been in a flourishing state under the Nawab, panic-stricken. The Zaminders and cultivators rose against the unbearable exactions in 1781 and, within weeks of the initial uprising, all of Hannai's subordinates were either killed or besieged by Zmindari guerrilla forces. Although the rebellion was suppressed, Hannai was dismissed and his Izara forcibly removed. Revolt of Raja of Vizianagaram, 1794. In 1758, a treaty was made between the English and Ananda Gaspati Raju, the ruler of Vizianagaram, to jointly oust the French from the northern circus. In this mission they were successful but the English, as was usual in their case in India, went back on their word to honour the terms of the treaty. Anand Raju died before he could seriously tackle the English. The East India Company went on to demand a tribute of 3 lakh rupees from Vizyarmaraju, the Raja of Vizinagaram, and asked him to disband his troops. This angered the Raja as there were no dues to be paid to the company. The Raja supported by his subjects rose up in revolt. The English captured the Raja in 1793 and ordered him to go into exile with a pension. The Raja refused. The Raja died in a battle at Padmanabham in modern Vishakhapatnam district in Andhra Pradesh in 1794. Vizianagaram came under the company's rule. Later, the company offered the estate to the diseased Raja's son and reduced the demand for presents. Revolt of Dhundia in Bednur, 1799-1800 After the conquest of Mysore in 1799, the English had to confront many native leaders. Dhundia Vag, a local Maratha leader, who was converted to Islam by Tipu Sultan and put into jail due to his misadventures, got released with the fall of Seringaptam. Very soon, Dhundia organized a force which consisted of anti-British elements and carved out a small territory for himself. A defeat by the English in August 1799 forced him to take refuge in Maratha region from where he instigated the disappointed princes to fight against the English and he himself took on the leadership. In September 1800, he was killed while fighting against the British forces under Wellesley. Though Dhundia failed, 
he became a venerated leader of the masses. Resistance of Kerala Varma Pajhassi Raja, 1797-1800-2005 Kerala Varma Pajhassi Raja, popularly known as Kerala Simham, Lion of Kerala, or Saik Raja, was the de facto head of Kottayam, Koshit, in Malabar region. Apart from resisting Hader Ali and Tipu Sultan, Kerala Verma fought against the British between 1793 and 1805. The Third Anglomysore War, 1790-1992, extended English paramountcy over Kottayam in violation of an earlier agreement of 1790 which had recognized the independence of Kottayam. The English appointed Veera Verma, the uncle of Pajhassi Raja, as the Raja of Kottayam. The new Raja, to meet the revenue target fixed by the company, levied exorbitant rates of tax on the peasants. This led to a mass resistance by the peasants under the leadership of Pajhassi Raja in 1793. Pajhassi Raja fought bravely using guerrilla warfare, and in 1797 a peace treaty was made. But a conflict over a dispute on Vainard in 1800 started an insurgent warfare. Pajhassi Raja organized a large force of Nairs, which was supplemented by Mapilas and Pathans, the latter being demobilized soldiers of Tipu who had become unemployed after Tipu's death. In November 1805, the Kerala Simham died in a gunfight at Mavila Todu near present-day Kerala Karnataka border. Civil Rebellion in Awadh, 1799 Wazir Ali Khan, the fourth Nawab of Awadh, with the help of the British, had ascended the throne in September 1797. But very soon his relations with the British became sore and he got replaced by his uncle, Sadat Ali Khan too. Wazir Ali Khan was granted a pension in Benares. However, in January 1799, he killed a British resident, Jogar Frederick Cherry, who had invited him to lunch. Wazir Ali's guards killed two other Europeans and even attacked the magistrate of Benares. The whole incident became famous as the massacre of Benares. Wazir Ali was able to assemble an army of several thousand men which was defeated by General Erskine. Wazir Ali fled to Butwal and was granted asylum by the ruler of Jaipur. Arthur Wellesley requested the Raja of Jaipur to extradite Wazir Ali. Wazir Ali was extradited on the condition that he would neither be hanged nor be put in fetters. After surrender in December 1799, he was placed in confinement at Fort William, Calcutta. Uprisings in Ganjam and Gumsur, 1800-1835-1937 In the northern Sarkars, Ganjam and its adjoining regions rose in revolt against British rule. Strikrabhanj, Azminder of Gumsur in Ganjam district, refused to pay revenues in 1797. In 1800, he openly rebelled and defeated the public authorities. Snodgrass, an oppressive and corrupt collector, was replaced to suppress the insurrection. Strikra was joined by Jalani Dio of Vijangar, Poddakimedi, and Jagannath Dio of Pratapgiri, Chinkimedi. In 1804, Jagannath Dio was captured and sent to Masuliptanam. But the English had to assign certain districts to Strikrabhanj. In 1807-2008, Dhananjaya Bhanj, son of Strikra, forced his father to leave the estate. Dhananjaya rebelled against the English but was forced to surrender in June 1815. Strikra, who had returned to Ganjam, was reappointed as the Zminder in a compromise with the government. He managed the estate between 1819 and 1830 but, failing to liquidate the arrears, retired in favour of his son, Dhananjay. However, unable to pay the enormous arrears, Dhananjay Bhanj rose in rebellion for the second time when the British forces occupied Gumsur and Koleda in November 1835. 
The revolt greatly reduced the government's authority, but Dhananjay died in December 1835 and his followers continued the resistance. The government appointed Russell, with full discretionary powers, to deal with the situation. The struggle lasted till February 1837, when Dura Bisay, a formidable leader, was arrested. The Zmindari of Gumsur was forfeited. Uprisings in Palamu, 1800-2002 The political situation of Palamu was complicated by the crisis of agrarian landlordism and feudal system. In 1800, Gukhan Singh, a Chero chief, rose in rebellion. Colonel Jones camped for two years in Palamu and Sarguja to suppress the rebellion. Bhukan Singh died in 1802 and subsequently the insurrection calmed down. Polygars Revolt 1795-1805 The Polygars, or Palaikakargal, of South India gave a stiff resistance to the British between 1795 and 1805. The main centres of these strong uprisings were Tinneveli or Tirunilveli, Ramnathpuram, Sivaganga, Sivgiri, Madurai, and North Arcot. The problem started in 1781, when the Nawab of Arcot gave the management and control of Tinneveli and the Carnatic provinces to the East India Company. This arrangement caused resentment among the polygars, who had, for long, considered themselves as independent sovereign authorities within their respective territories. The first revolt of the polygars against the company was basically over taxation, but had a larger political dimension in that the English considered and treated the polygars as enemies. Kattabum Mannaikan, the polygar of Panjalankurichi, led the insurrection between 1795 and 1799. After a fierce battle in which the company forces were defeated by Virapandiya Kattabomman, a price was put on the latter's head. This led to greater rebellion by the polygars. With reinforcements, the company forces were finally able to defeat Kattabomman. Kattabomman fled into the Pudukote forests. Once again a betrayal, this time by Ettappan, the Raja of Pudukote, who entered into an agreement with the British led to the capture of Kattabomman. Kattabomman was hanged in a conspicuous place. A close associate, Subramania Pillai was also hanged and Sondara Pandian, another rebel, brutally killed. The Palayam of Panjalankurichi and the estates of five other polygars who had joined the rebellion were confiscated and the prominent polygars executed or sent to prison. The second phase, which was more violent than the previous one, started in February 1801 when the polygars imprisoned in the fort of Palamkota were able to escape. The rebels took control of many forts and even captured Tutikorin. The British forces were soon reinforced from Malabar. The fugitives led by Umthuri, brother of Kattabomman, who fled to Sivaganga in Ramnath joined the rebellion of the Marudus led by Marathu Pandian which was suppressed in October 1801. The fort of Panjalankurichi was razed to the ground and the name of the place was expunged from all the documents of the district. Meanwhile, the Nawab surrendered the civil and military administration of all the territories and dependencies of the Carnatic exclusively to the company in perpetuity. Between 1803 and 1805, the polygars of North Arcot rose in rebellion when they were deprived of their right to collect the Kaval fees. Kaval or watch was an ancient institution of Tamil Nadu. It was a hereditary village police office with specified rights and responsibilities. The region was in a lawless condition particularly in the palayans of Chittur and Chandragiri. The polygar of Yedragunta, who proved most daring and desperate among the insurgent chiefs, was joined by the disposest polygar of Chargallu. By February 1805, the rebels were suppressed. Several chiefs were ordered to reside in Madras, while some others 
were granted an allowance of 18% upon revenues of their estates. The Polygar Rebellion spread over a vast area of South India. The proclamations by the rebels, says A. Shunmugaya, indicate that they believed in a mass movement against the alien rule, seeking independence for them. Uprising in Bhivani, 1809. In 1809, the Jats of Haryana broke into rebellion. The Jats fortified themselves in Bhivani and made a strong resistance. A brigade of all arms, with a powerful battering ram, was required to suppress the revolt. Divan Velu Thampi's Revolt, 1808-1809 The East India Company's harsh conditions imposed on the state of Travancore after both of them agreed to a subsidiary alliance arrangement under Wellesley in 1805 caused deep resentment in the region. The ruler was not able to pay the subsidy and fell in arrears. The British resident of Travancore was meddling in the internal affairs of the state. The high-handed attitude of the company compelled Prime Minister, or Dalva, Veluthampi to rise against the company, assisted by the Nair troops. Veluthampi addressed a gathering in Kundara, openly calling for taking up arms against the British to oust them from the native soil. This was later known as the Kundara Proclamation. There was a large-scale rebellion against the British as a result. A large military operation had to be undertaken to restore peace. The Maharaja of Travancore had not wholly supported the rebellion and defected to the side of the company. Velu Thampi killed himself to avoid capture. The rebellion petered out. Disturbances in Bundelkhand, 1808-2012 the vast province of Bundelkhand, conquered by the British during the Second Anglo-Maratha Wars (1803–2005), was put within the presidency of Bengal. The Bundela chiefs offered resistance to the new government as long as they could fight from their forts numbering nearly 150. The first major resistance came from Lakshman Dava, the Killadar, fort commander of a jagged fort. Lakshman was permitted to retain the fort as a temporary arrangement for two years ending in 1808, but he wanted to continue his hold after the expiry of the term. He surrendered in February 1809 and was taken to Calcutta. The next resistance came from Kiledar of Kalanjar, Darya Singh, which was suppressed in January 1812. But the most serious threat came from a famous military adventurer named Gopal Singh, who had a dispute with his uncle who was supported by the British. For four years, Gopal Singh eluded all vigilance and military tactics of British forces. To put a stop to these disturbances, the British had to adopt a policy of binding down the hereditary chieftains of Bundelkhand by a series of contractual obligations, Ikarnames. Parlakimedi Outbreak, 1813-1934 Parlakimedi, situated in the western border of Ganjam district, now in Odisha, witnessed resistance from the Zamindars and Rajas. When the company acquired Ganjam, Narayan Dio was the Raja of Parlakimedi, whose resistance forced the British to dispatch an army under Colonel Peach. Peach defeated Narayan Dio in 1768 and made Gaspati Dio, son of Narayan, proclaimed Sminder. But Narayan Dio, supported by his son and brothers, revolted again. As the resistance failed to calm down, the presidency of Madras appointed George Russell as commissioner of the region in 1832. Russell, provided with full-fledged powers to suppress the revolt, pacified the region by 1834. Kutch or Kutch Rebellion, 1816-1832 There was a treaty between the British and Maharaja Bharmal II of Kutch in 1816, by which power was vested in the throne. There was, however, a power struggle between the Maharaja and a group of chieftains. The British interfered in the internal feuds of the Kutch and, in 1819, 
Raja Bharmal to raise Arab and African troops with the firm intention of removing the British from his territory. The chieftains ranged on his side. The British defeated and deposed the Kutch ruler Rao Bharmal in favor of his infant son. A British resident governed the areas as the de facto ruler with the help of a regency council. The administrative innovations made by the regency council coupled with excessive land assessment caused deep resentment. In the meanwhile, some of the chieftains continued their rebellion against alien rule. The news of the British reverses in the Burma War emboldened the chiefs to rise in revolt and demand the restoration of Bharmal II. After extensive military operations failed to control the situation, the company's authorities were compelled to follow a conciliatory policy. Rising at Bareilly, 1816, the immediate cause of upsurge was the imposition of the police tax which aroused the burning indignation of the citizens. The issue became religious when Mufti Muhammad Awas, a venerated old man, gave a petition to the magistrate of the town in March 1816. The situation aggravated further when the police, while collecting tax, injured a woman. This event led to a bloody scuffle between the followers of the Mufti and the police. Within two days of the event, several armed Muslims from Pilibhit, Shah Jahanpur and Rampur rose in rebellion for the defense of the faith and the Mufti. In April 1816, the insurgents murdered the son of Leicester, judge of provincial court of Bareilly. The uprising could only be suppressed with heavy deployment of military forces in which more than 300 rebels were killed and even more wounded and imprisoned. The upsurge seems to have been the product more of discontent than of actual grievance, the elements of discontent lying in the very nature of the alien administration. Upsurge in Hathras, 1817 Dayaram, a talukdar of several villages in the district of Aligarh, had a strong base in the fort of Hathras. The fort, considered to be among the strongest in India, a second Bharatpur had walls of great height and thickness, defended by a deep ditch and artillery mounted at the top. The English had concluded the settlement of Hathras estate with Dayaram as a farmer. But due to progressively increasing high revenues, Dayaram constantly failed to pay arrears and even committed many acts of hostility by giving harbour to government fugitives. So, the company with a large army attacked Hathras in February 1817. Dayaram fought bravely for more than 15 days and escaped unharmed. But ultimately, he was obliged to come back on condition of submission and settled down with a pension. Another noted rebel Bhagwant Singh, Raja of Mursan, frightened to dismantle his fort, submitted to the government. Paikar Rebellion 1817 The Paiks of Odisha were the traditional landed militia, foot soldiers literally, and enjoyed rent-free land tenures for their military service and policing functions on a hereditary basis. The English company's conquest of Odisha in 1803 and the dethronement of the Raja of Khurda had greatly reduced the power and prestige of the Paiks. Further, the extortionist land revenue policy of the company caused resentment among zamindars and peasants alike. Common masses were affected by the rise in prices of salt due to taxes imposed on it, abolition of cowrie currency and the requirement of payment of taxes in silver, etc. Bakshi Jagbandhu Bidyadhar had been the military chief of the forces of the Raja of Khurda. In 1814, Jagbandhu's ancestral estate of Killarorang was taken over by the company, reducing him to penury. The spark was lighted by the arrival of a body of Khons from Gumsur into the Khurda territory in March 1817. With active support of Mukunda Deva, the last Raja of Khurda, and other zamindars of the region, Bakshi Jagbandhu Bidyadhar led a sundry army of Paikas forcing the East India Company forces to retreat for a time. 
the rebellion came to be known as the Paika Bidro Rebellion. The initial success of the rebels set the whole province covering Odisha in arms against the British government for some time. Jagbandhu declared an outlaw, along with other rebels, was sheltered by the Raja of Nayagad. Although Deenbandhu Santara and his group surrendered in November 1818, Jagbandhu evaded British vigilance. In spite of rewards offered, none of the people of the province betrayed their leaders. Though Khurda was back under company control by mid-1817, the Paika rebels resorted to guerrilla tactics. The rebellion was brutally repressed by 1818. Priests at the Puri temple who had sheltered Jagbandhu were caught and hanged. Paiks on the whole suffered greatly. In 1825, Jagbandhu surrendered under negotiated terms. Some sources say he was captured and died in captivity in 1829. The Pak rebellion succeeded in getting large remissions of arrears, reductions in assessments, suspension of the sale of the estates of defaulters at discretion, a new settlement on fixed tenures and other agents of a liberal governance. Vagera Rising, 1818-1820 Resentment against the alien rule coupled with the exactions of the Gaikwad of Baroda supported by the British government compelled the Vagera chiefs of Okha Mandal to take up arms. The Vagaras carried out inroads into British territory during 1818-2019. A peace treaty was signed in November 1820. A Home Revolt 1828. The British had pledged to withdraw from Assam after the First Burma War, 1824-1926. But after the war, instead of withdrawing, the British attempted to incorporate the Ahoms territories in the company's dominion. This sparked off a rebellion in 1828 under the leadership of Gondhar Konwar, an Ahom prince, along with compatriots, such as Dhanjoy Borgohain, and Jairam Kharghariya Fukan. Assembling near Jorhat, the rebels formally made Gondhar Konvar the king. Finally, the company decided to follow a conciliatory policy and handed over Upper Assam to Maharaja Purandar Singh Narendra and part of the kingdom was restored to the Assamese king. Surat Salt Agitations, 1840s a strong anti-British sentiment resulted in attacks by the local Surat population on the Europeans in 1844 over the issue of the government's step to raise the salt duty from 50 pass to 1 rupee. Faced with a popular movement, the government withdrew the additional salt levy. Again in 1848, the government was forced to withdraw its measure to introduce Bengal standard weights and measures in face of people's determined bid to resort to boycott and passive resistance. Kolhapur and Savantavadi revolts The Gadkaris were a hereditary military class, which was garrisoned in the Maratha forts. These garrisons were disbanded during administrative reorganization in Kolhapur state after 1844. Facing the specter of unemployment, the Gadkaris rose in revolt and occupied the Samangad and Gudragad forts. Similarly, the simmering discontent caused a revolt in Savantavadi areas. The people here had already revolted against the British in 1830, 1836 and 1838, the last because the British had deposed their ruler. The British authorities introduced many laws to bring the region under control. Wahhabi Movement The Wahhabi Movement was essentially an Islamic revivalist movement founded by Sayyid Ahmed of Rai Bareilly who was inspired by the teachings of Abdul Wahhab of Saudi Arabia and Shah Waliullah of Delhi. Sayyid Ahmed condemned the Western influence on Islam and advocated a return to pure Islam and society as it was in the Arabia of the Prophet's time. Sayyid Ahmed was acclaimed as the desired leader, Imam. A countrywide organization with an elaborate secret code for its working under spiritual vice-regents, Khalifas, was set up, 
and Sithana in the northwestern tribal belt was chosen as a base for operations. In India, its important center was at Patna though it had its missions in Hyderabad, Madras, Bengal, United Provinces and Bombay. Since Darul Harb, territory of war or chaos, was to be converted into Darul Islam, the land of Islam, a jihad was declared against the Sikh kingdom of Punjab. After the defeat of the Sikh ruler and incorporation of Punjab into the East India Company's dominion in 1849, the English dominion in India became the sole target of the Wahhabis' attacks. The Wahhabis played an important role in spreading anti-British sentiments. A series of military operations by the British in the 1860s on the Wahhabi base in Sithana and various court cases of sedition on the Wahhabis weakened the Wahhabi resistance, although sporadic encounters with the authorities continued into the 1880s and 1890s. Kuka Movement The Kuka Movement was founded in 1840 by Bhagat Jawaharmal, also called Sian Saheb, in western Punjab. A major leader of the movement after him was Baba Ram Singh. He founded the Namdhari Sikh sect. After the British took Punjab, the movement got transformed from a religious purification campaign to a political campaign. Its basic tenets were abolition of caste and similar discriminations among Sikhs, discouraging the consumption of meat and alcohol and drugs, permission for intermarriages, widow remarriage, and encouraging women to step out of seclusion. On the political side, the Kukas wanted to remove the British and restore Sikh rule over Punjab. They advocated wearing hand-woven clothes and boycotting English laws and education and products. So, the concepts of Swadeshi and non-cooperation were propagated by the Kukas much before they became part of the Indian national movement in the early 20th century. As the movement gained in popularity, the British took several steps to crush it in the period between 1863 and 1872. In 1872, Ram Singh was deported to Rangoon. Tribal Revolts Tribal movements under British rule were the most frequent, militant and violent of all movements. Different causes for mainland and northeastern tribal revolts. The tribal movements can be analyzed better if categorized into mainland tribal revolts and frontier tribal revolts concentrated mainly in the northeastern part of India. The mainland tribal rebellions were sparked off by a number of factors, an important one concerned with the tribal lands or forests. The land settlements of the British affected the joint ownership tradition among the TR1BLS and disrupted their social fabric. As agriculture was extended in a settled form by the company government, the TR1BLS lost their land and there was an influx of non-TR1BLS to these areas. Shifting cultivation in forests was curbed and this added to the tribal's problems. The government further extended its control over the forest areas by setting up reserved forests and restricting timber use and grazing. This was the result of the increasing demand from the company for timber, for shipping and the railways. Exploitation by the police, traders and moneylenders most of them outsiders, aggravated the tribal's sufferings. Some general laws were also abhorred for their intrusive nature as the TR1BLS had their own customs and traditions. With the expansion of colonialism, Christian missionaries came to these regions and their efforts interfered with the traditional customs of the TR1BLS. The missionaries, perceived as representatives of the alien rule, were resented by the TR1BLS. The movements of the tribes of the northeastern frontier were different from the non-frontier tribal revolts in some aspects. For one thing, the tribes which shared tribal and cultural links with countries across the border did not concern themselves much with the nationalist struggle. 
Their revolts were often in favor of political autonomy within the Indian Union or complete independence. Secondly, these movements were not forest-based or agrarian revolts as these TRVNBLs were generally in control of land and forest area. The British entered the northeastern areas much later than the non-frontier tribal areas. Thirdly, the frontier tribal revolts under the British continued for a longer time than the non-frontier tribal movements. Desensitization movements also spread among the frontier TRVNBLs. The Maitis organized a movement during Churchand Maharaja's rule between 1891 and 1941 to denounce the malpractices of the Neo-Vaishnavite Brahmins. Sanskritization movements were almost totally absent in the northeast frontier region in the colonial period. Characteristics of tribal revolts. There were some common characteristics of the tribal uprisings even though they were separated from one another in time and space. One dot tribal identity or ethnic ties lay behind the solidarity shown by these groups. Not all outsiders were However, seen as enemies, the poor who lived by their manual labor or profession and had a socially economically supportive role in the village were left alone. The violence was directed towards the money lenders and traders who were seen as extensions of the colonial government. To dot a common cause was the resentment against the imposition of laws by the foreign government that was seen as an effort at destroying the tribal's traditional socio-economic framework. Three dot many uprisings were led by messiah-like figures who encouraged their people to revolt and who held out the promise that they could end their suffering brought about by the outsiders. Four dot the tribal uprisings were doomed from the beginning, given the outdated arms they fought with as against the modern weapons and techniques used by their opponents. Important tribal movements of mainland. Some important tribal movements are discussed below. It may be noted that most tribal movements, if we leave out the frontier tribal areas, were concentrated in central India. the west central region and the south pahriyas rebellion the british expansion on their territory led to an uprising by the martial pahriyas of the raj mahal hills in 1778 the british were forced to usher in peace by declaring their territory as damnikol area chur uprising famine enhanced land revenue demands and economic distress goaded the chur aboriginal tribesmen of the jungle mahal of midnapur district and also of the bankura district in bangal to take up arms these tribes people were basically farmers and hunters the uprising lasted from 1766 to 1772 and then again surfaced between 1795 and 1816 The Chuars were prominent in Mandhum and Barabhum, especially in the hills between Barabhum and Ghatsila. They held their lands under a kind of feudal tenure, but were not strongly attached to the soil, being always ready to change from farming to hunting at the bidding of their jungle chiefs or zamindars. In 1768, Jagannath Singh, the zamindar of Ghatsila, went up in arms. along with thousands of chuars the company government capitulated in 1771 the chur sardars shyam ganjan of dhadka subla singh of kaliapal and dubraj rose in rebellion this time however they were suppressed the most significant uprising was under durjan or durjol singh in 1798 Durjan Singh was the zamindar of Raipur from which he was dispossessed owing to the operations of Bengal regulations. In May 1798, his followers, a body of 1500 chuars, indulged in violent activities in Raipur to halt the auction of the estate of Raipur. The revolt was brutally suppressed by the British. Other leaders of the choirs were Madhav Singh the brother of the raja of barabhum raja mohan singh 
Zminder of Zuria and Lachman Singh of Dulma. The term Chur is considered derogatory by some historians who call this the revolt of the Jungle Mahal instead. Kolmutini, 1831. The Kols, along with other tribes, are inhabitants of Chotnagpur. This covered Rachi, Singham, Hajaribagh, Palamu, and the western parts of Mandhum. The trouble in 1831 started with large-scale transfers of land from coal headmen to outsiders like Hindu, Sikh, and Muslim farmers and moneylenders who were oppressive and demanded heavy taxes. Besides, the British judicial and revenue policies badly affected the traditional social conditions of the coals. The coals resented this, and in 1831, under the leadership of Buddho Bhagat. The coal rebels killed or burnt about a thousand outsiders. Only after large-scale military operations could order be restored. Ho and Munda uprisings, 1822-1837. The Raja of Parhat organized his Hotiar Vinbialis to revolt against the occupation of Singham, now in Jharkhand. The revolt continued till 1827, when the Hotiar Vinbialis were forced to submit. However, later in 1831, they again organized a rebellion joined by the Mundas of Chotnagpur to protest against the newly introduced farming revenue policy and the entry of Bengalis into their region. Though the revolt was extinguished in 1832, the Ho operations continued till 1837. nor were the mundas to be quiet for long in 1899 to 1900 the mundas in the region south of ranchi rose under birsa munda the ulgulan was one of the most significant tribal uprisings in the period 1860 to 1920 the rebellion which began as a religious movement gathered political force to fight against introduction of feudal Zmindari tenures and exploitation by money lenders and forest contractors. The Mundas claimed Chotanagpur as their area in 1879. British armed forces were then deployed. Birsa was captured and imprisoned. Dot. The Santhal Rebellion, 1855 to 1956, continued oppression of the Santhals, an agricultural people. who had fled to settle in the plains of the Rajmahal hills Bihar led to the Santhal rebellion against the zamindars the money lenders who had the support of the police among others had joined the zamindars to subject the peasants to oppressive exactions and dispossession of lands the rebellion turned into an anti-british movement under sidhu and kanhu two brothers the santhals proclaimed an end to company rule and declared the area between bhagalpur and rajmahal as autonomous the rebellion was suppressed by 1856 khand uprisings 1837 to 1856 from 1837 to 1856 the khonds of the hilly tracts extending from odisha to the shrikakulam and vishakhapatnam districts of andhra pradesh revolted against company rule chakrabisoi a young raja led the khonds who were joined by the ghumsar kalahandi and other trvnbilis to oppose the suppression of human sacrifice new taxes and the entry of zamindars into their areas with chakrabisoi's disappearance the uprising came to an end a later khand rebellion in 1914 in the odisha region was triggered by the hope that foreign rule would end and they could gain an autonomous government dot Koya revolts the koyas of the eastern godavari tract modern andhra joined by khonda sara chiefs rebelled in 1803 1840 1845 1858 1861 and 1862 they rose once again in 1879 to 1980 under thomas sora their complaints were oppression by police and money lenders new regulations and denial of their customary rights over forest areas after the death of tomasora another rebellion was organized in 1886 by raja anantayar bhil revolts 
The Bheels who lived in the Western Ghats controlled the mountain passes between the North and the Deccan. They revolted against company rule in 1817 to 2019 as they had to face famine, economic distress and misgovernment. The British used both force and conciliatory efforts to control the uprising. However, the Bheels revolted again in 1825 1831 and in 1846 later a reformer govind guru helped the bheels of south rajasthan banswara sant states to organize themselves to fight for a bheel raj by 1913 koli risings the kolis living in the neighborhood of bheels rose up in rebellion against the company's rule in 1829 1839 and again during 1844 to 1948 they resented the imposition of company's rule which brought with it large scale unemployment for them and the dismantling of their forts ramosi risings the ramoses the hill tribes of the western ghats had not reconciled to british rule and the british pattern of administration they resented the policy of annexation After the annexation of the Maratha territories by the British, the Ramoses, who had been employed by the Maratha administration, lost their means of livelihood. They rose under Chittur Singh in 1822 and plundered the country around Satara. Again, there were eruptions in 1825 to 1926 under Umaji Naik of Pune and his supporter Bapu Trimbakji Savant. and the disturbances continued till 1829 the disturbances occurred again in 1839 over deposition and banishment of raja pratap singh of satara and disturbances erupted in 1840 to 1941 also finally a superior british force restored order in the area Generally the British followed a pacifist policy towards the Ramoses and even recruited some of them into the hill police. Nakra movement 1860s Madhya Pradesh and Gujarat against British and caste Hindus. Kharwar rebellion by the Kharwars 1870s Bihar against revenue settlement activities. Bhuyan and Juang rebellions by the Bhuyans Dwangs and Kals first uprising was led by Ratna Nayak second uprising was led by Darni Dhar Nayak 1867 to 1968 1891 to 1993 Khyuger Odisha against the installation of a British protege on the throne after the death of their raja in 1867 Bastar revolt 1910 Jagdalpur against new feudal and forest levies Tana Bhagat movements among the Mundas and Orau tribes led by Jatra Bhagat Balram Bhagat who preached that God's benevolent delegate would arrive to free the TRVNBILS 1914 to 1915 Chhota Nagpur against interference of outsiders began as Sanskritization movement Rampa revolts led by Aluri Sitaram Raju of the Koyas 1916 1922 to 1924 Rampa region in Andhra Pradesh against British interference capture and execution of Raju in 1924 Jharkhand uprising by TRVNBILS of Chotnagpur region 1920 onwards parts of Bihar Odisha and West Bengal Adivasi Mahasabha was formed in 1937 which was replaced by Regional Jharkhand Party in 1949 Forest Satyagrahas by Chenchu TR Vinbilas 1920s Guntur district in Andhra by Karwars of Palamu 1930s Bihar against increasing British control over forests Gond uprising 1940s to bring together the believers of god dharma tribal movements of the northeast some famous tribal movements of the northeast frontier region have been given below khasi uprising after having occupied the hilly region between garo and jantia hills the east india company wanted to build a road linking the brahmaputra valley with silhet for this 
A large number of outsiders including Englishmen, Bengalis and the laborers from the plains were brought to these regions. The Khasis, Garos, Kampatis and the Singhfos organized themselves under Tirat Singh to drive away the strangers from the plains. The uprising developed into a popular revolt against British rule in the area. By 1833, the superior English military force had suppressed the revolt. Movements after 1857 1. Cookies Revolt 1917-2019 Manipur against British policies of recruiting labour during the First World War 2. Revolts in Tripura against hike in house tax rates and against settlement of outsiders in the region. Led by Parikshit Jamatia, 1863. The Rians Revolt led by Ratnamni, 1942-1943. Led by Bharti Singh, 1920s. 3. Jilyangrong Movement, 1920s. Manipur, led by the Zemi, Liangme and Rongme tribes against the failure of British to protect them during the Kuki violence in 1917-2019. 4. Naga Movement, 1905-1931, Manipur, led by Jadunang, against British rule and for setting up of a Naga Raj. 5. Heraka Cult, 1930s, Manipur, Led by Gaidenyu, the movement was suppressed but Kabui Naga Association was formed in 1946. Six other smaller movements were the revolt of the Sintangs of Jantia Hills in 1860-1962, the Fulguri Peasants' Rebellion in 1861, the revolt of the Saflas in 1872-1973, the uprising of the Kacha Nagas of Kachar in 1882 and a women's war in Manipur in 1904. Sepoy Mutinies A number of sporadic military uprisings took place before the Great Revolt of 1857 in different parts of the country. Causes There was rising discontent of the sepoys against the British rule due to the following reasons. 1. Discrimination in payment and promotions. 2. Mistreatment of the sepoys by the British officials. 3. Refusal of the government to pay foreign service allowance while fighting in remote regions. 4. Religious objections of the high caste Hindu sepoys to Lord Canning's General Service Enlistment Act, 1856, ordering all recruits to be ready for service both within and outside India. Further, the sepoys shared all the discontent and grievances, social, religious and economic, that afflicted the civilian population. Over the years, the upper caste sepoys had found their religious beliefs in conflict with their service conditions. For example, in 1806, the replacement of the turban by a leather cockade caused a mutiny at Velour. Similarly, in 1844, there was a mutinous outbreak of the Bengal army sepoys being sent to far away Sindh and in 1824 the sepoys at Barakpur rose in revolt when they were asked to go to Burma because crossing the sea would mean loss of caste. Important Mutinies The most important mutinies which broke out during the pre-1857 period are the following. 1. The mutiny of the sepoys in Bengal in 1764. 2. The Vellore Mutiny of 1806, when the sepoys protested against interference in their social and religious practices and raised a banner of revolt unfurling the flag of the ruler of Mysore. 3. The Mutiny of the Sepoys of the 47th Native Infantry Unit in 1824. 4. The Revolt of the Grenadier Company in Assam in 1825. 5. The Mutiny of an Indian Regiment at Sholapur in 1838. 6. The Mutinies of the 34th Native Infantry, NI, the 22nd NI, the 66th NI and the 37th NI in 1844, 1849, 1850 and 1852 respectively. However, 
all these mutinies did not spread beyond their locality and were ruthlessly crushed by the British Indian government, often inflicting terrible violence, executing leaders and disbanding the regiments. But the legacy of these revolts proved to be of immense significance later. Weaknesses of People's Uprisings These uprisings drew a large number of participants but were, in fact, localized and occurred at different times in different regions. They mostly arose out of local grievances. The leadership was semi-feudal in character, backward-looking, traditional in outlook and their resistance did not offer alternatives to the existing social setup. If many of these revolts seemed similar to one another in wanting to oust the alien rule, it was not because of some national impulse or common effort, but because they were protesting against conditions that were common to them. These rebellions were centuries old in form and ideological cultural content. Those who were not so uncooperative or obstinate were pacified through concessions by the authorities. The methods and arms used by the fighters in these uprisings were practically obsolete compared to the weapons and strategy as well as deception and chicanery employed by their opponents. <laughs>